0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Nick. Before we get to part two of Dan Grossman's interview, I just wanted to do a few announcements. I want to thank our promotional partner, Let's Design Daily, for helping promote the podcast. And they post great design work from designers across the world. You can find them on Instagram at Let's Design Daily. And then if you aren't following on Spotify, go do that. Subscribe on YouTube. Rate and review five stars on Apple Podcasts. You guys know the deal. And then... We've been chatting it up on Discord. Check out Discord if you haven't already. I think this episode's going to spur on some more conversation, so check that out on our website, MyDealsPodcast.com, and you can also find a link to our 2019 Deals Podcast survey, and it would be really helpful for us if you guys would go fill out that survey. Leave us your feedback. Leave us your comments, and you'll also be entered to win one of our bottle openers, so there's a little perk for you. And I think this episode went a little long, but the conversation was so good that we just let it ride. So stick around to the end. I think you guys will get some gold nuggets from Dan. All right, let's get to it. Dan, and we are back with Dan Grossman. And if you missed last episode, take a quick second, go back, listen to that one. This will be a continuation. Um, we are talking to Dan Grossman about his uh, plethora of experiences working at uh, nonprofit organizations, um, Husqvarna as an intern, and then working at Lifetime Brands, which we all know is the kitchenware company that James has also worked for. And uh, we're back. And Dan, tell us a little bit, continue your story. We're, we're excited. <laughs> tell us a little of the rest of your life.
1: So at this point, uh, no. Um... So,
2: so where we left off was with Project H. Right. Um, talking about um, humanitarian design. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so let's, we kind of finished that up. And now we're at, maybe we're at the end of Lifetime Brands. Mm-hmm.
1: End of the lifetime.
2: Yeah. Um, and maybe on to the next Martha. No, so no, no, and there's a lot in between. Yeah, it keeps
1: going. Um, (laughs) did you go back to the bicycle shop?
0: Is this going to be a (laughs) three-parter?
1: Let's hope so. I want a hat trick. I want to, I want to be the first. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, worked at lifetime brands for about three and a half years. And again, I really thought it was an amazing experience, learned a lot and just had a really great time doing it. Um, and it was also one of the first, I will say that um, what I think is really important for the young community to, to take into consideration is as you start to build your career, is really start to look for mentors. Mm. Um, so as you build your network, you know, you make friends. I talked earlier about uh, earlier about how I made friends as interns and how we're still friends today. I mean, uh, you know, you guys were... Uh, both freelancers for me, and you know, we hang out. I swear we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> we're friends, right? Um, yeah, yeah, we're friends. Um, and uh, you know, uh, one of the things I started to do at Lifetime was also starting to build those relationships. And um, it's funny because uh, Jason Poore, yeah. uh, who is now the director of ID at uh, Peloton, he was my first senior designer. Mm. First senior designer I ever worked under. Like, I mean, like that was like a true, like, you know, as a boss uh, relationship. Before that, it was just an intern internship capacities. And this is where I started to also, like, really start to, like, gather the influence. Because before an internship, you're like... You know, it was three months, six months. I was probably at each one for six yeah, months or right. so. But this is now what's... I'm with working under the same person for almost four years. Yeah. So you really start to gather that that knowledge and like yeah. start to like start to be directed in these different directions of um of just aesthetic and style and process. And yeah. Jason was probably one of the first mentors I really had, and um, I think it's like something that I'll probably keep talking about talking about over the course of my story. Um, but anyway, uh, went to um, left there. And I was really kind of... It was great, but I was kind of looking for something different. The housewares industry was awesome, but I just wanted something fresh. Uh, And I was kind of interested in getting back... It's also out in Long Island, which we haven't mentioned. It's not... You've talked about, I guess.
2: Long, long, Long Island Railroad. It's
1: it's not a great commute. (laughs) It's a really cool office when you get there, but it's not a great
2: commute. Towards the end of my tenure at lifetime i was pushing it so close to because it's like there's only a train every like half an hour and you just like push it to the last minute to get on that train did you ever do the carpools uh i did do the i did do the carpool but then i moved so i was out of the carpool radius right so Uh, i like
1: we do the carpools and which is like a good or a bad thing. And like, yeah. you'd have like really great conversations or like really bad conversations.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just Depends on the day. Depends <laughs> on
1: the day. And there's like always that one person who's like pretending to sleep. It's horrible.
2: Oh, they
1: know who they are if they're listening. <laughs> um, but so, um, I left, uh, left, Lifetime and I started working for a small design consultancy in New York called foresight mm. So foresight was a firm. That was actually um, if, if I have this right foresight was actually born out of Teague So mm. Teague uh, is originally from New York City. Walter okay. Teague That's where you know, New York is obviously one of the original hubs of industrial design Right when you go all the way back and Teague was originally started here before it moved out west to Seattle um, and I believe when they closed the New York office, uh, the, the, the head of it basically said, I'm going to, can I like, uh, can I, I'm going to take your clients and I'm going to pay you uh, a fee for X amount of time. And I'm going to use that as leverage to build my own firm. Mm. And that's how foresight was born. Hmm. Um, which is kind of, they cool. had the foresight to do that. Huh? Have, yeah, there it is. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that make me edit that oh! out, James. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, so I believe that's right. And if it's not, if it's not, I apologize for telling that story wrong. But we'll, we'll go with that as being the legend. Um, so Foresight was just really Write it cool. down, kids. It was this really cool firm. It was about, it was, a, it was small, about 10 people. And it was everything from physical product to cons- uh, CPG. Again, we did a lot of work with Pepsi. We worked with brands like LG, but then we worked with like brands like Purdue and, um, you know, Kraft and just a lot yeah. of cool stuff. and. It was a really really great experience, and this is where... So, like, every step of my story, I think of, like, what did I learn, right? Right. Um, And now I'm at Foresight, and what I learn is, like, a different level of sketching and details. Because I remember it was a really competitive place. Really? Like, it was
0: super competitive. Like, internally competitive? Like, Like internally competitive. So, like, you had coworkers that you were competing against? Yeah. Is that a
2: good thing?
1: I didn't stay at Foresight long. Okay. (laughs)
2: So it was like cutthroat competitive. That's interesting. It
1: wasn't, I don't want to say cutthroat, but it was, it was, it was a tough crowd. And I actually was working there with a friend of mine that from college, he got me the job there. He since moved to, he started his own company in New York and since moved to uh, Nashville. And he's, I can't remember the name of the company that he works for, but he does like huge event design now. Right. Experience design for like Nissan, really cool stuff. But um, he was one of the most talented guys at, in college. To this day, one of the most talented people I've ever known uh, is a guy named David Shore. Yeah, uh, and uh, he um, he got me in there, but like the level of talent there was crazy. Yeah. So I was just com- like, one, it was like intimidating. Yeah. And next, it was also really competitive because you had all these really intense designers like fighting for the best design.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because some firms, some firms work in pockets. And Smart Design, for example, and I'll get into that later. It's a much larger organization we have projects and project teams but when you're at a firm that's like five ten people you tend to all kind of work on the same thing together yeah so now you're getting a lot of people looking over everyone's shoulders and it just becomes a, a depending on how it's run and every every company's different but it was a competitive environment and for good as well though and that's where i kind of learned like details in my sketches like i remember i would put up a sketch and it'd be like an object of some sort and they'd be like cool cool what's that curve like what's that corner? Mm. And you're like, oh, it's just like, a, oh, it's just a corner, like, right? Yeah, they're yeah. Like right, but but you drew it. So why So tell me about that oh, corner. Oh, that's and, a. I feel like I draw a corner all the <laughs> time. I'm like, I don't know. I yeah, just, right. I, I draw, just draw in something. receipts, so right. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, right, just like I don't know. It's like it's a little radius, and they're like, yeah. oh, oh, it's a radius. Oh. oh. So tell me how this radii <laughs> wraps around the front of that object. Oh yeah. And oh, you're oh, like, man. oh my god. And it was that level of scrutiny, but. Which is really intimidating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, like super challenging and like you go, Wow, I gotta step up
2: my game. <laughs> or were they just being jerks? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um
1: But it was a really cool experience yeah. and I did it for a little while and then um uh, you know, it's always easier to get a job when you have a job. Right. And that is definitely, definitely true. Yeah. And somehow I forgot how I got in touch with, or they got in touch with me at prime studio. Oh yeah. So after a short run at foresight, again, it just wasn't, it was a lot going on in my life at the time and it wasn't a good fit. And I was happy to work there and had a great time, but I was ready for something different. And, um, I, uh, met a uh, prime studio and the guy who runs it there is a guy named Stuart Harvey Lee. And he brought me in and, It was a complete night and day difference.
0: Yeah. Uh, This is a smaller design studio, correct? Yeah. Smaller design studio, New York-based, of course.
1: Yeah, so Prime's even smaller. Prime Mm -hmm. at the time was like four of us, four or five of us. Oh,
0: that's, yeah, that's like, yeah. Yeah, and like,
1: and Foresight was like 10, 15 maybe, I don't really remember, but like Prime was like five people and at the time. It's much larger now. I'm not, it's, it's larger now, and um just totally different, really relaxed, really positive. Stuart is another person I immediately put into the mentor category. Mm. Just so Stuart was actually a former smart design employee, um, worked there for about, I want to say 10 years or so, and then broke off on his own to start prime studio prime turned 20 last year, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and which is really remarkable, um, which is really cool. And, um, yeah, it was just an amazing positive experience. Uh, we worked on a bunch of different things. You it was like physical product, it was packaging. Um, it was a it was a bunch of different stuff. Was
0: there any like products that or projects that st- stood out for you for Prime?
1: So you know, you know what's funny. Um, Prime, it was I, I joined Prime during an interesting time because it was very transitional. So I don't, I'm bad with years, so I don't really quite remember what year this is, but this is basically right before the startup boom hits New York. So the work that we were doing. You know, working in a consultancy is very competitive externally. You're always bidding on projects. You're fighting other firms for projects. We would do a lot of times spec projects because we're a small firm. We would get hit up by like a really large company. And in these huge organizations, they'd say, we have an idea for a a product. Right. And we want you to just do it really quickly for a small amount of money to sprint and just make this thing real or whatever, look real. And then we're going to try to sell it internally and turn it into a really big project. Right. And then it's going to be a huge thing. Right. So we were working on projects that were full all the way through. Um, we were working on uh, I remember when I first joined, we were working on this huge initiative for Swiss Swissgear, uh, doing all of, like luggage, travel, like mm-hmm. small things like that. That's cool. But then we were also working on like all these like quick sprint projects for like Unilever and th- you know you know big companies like that. It's funny. So one of those projects was actually I didn't get to work on. It was before my time. Was the Axe Detailer?
2: Oh yeah yeah. The what?
0: axe detail yeah
1: that was the first that was like prime's first like claim to frame and it's like a really cool pri- i mean you'll see it you'll know what it is yeah i remember this is it's this just like axe? really badass
0: is. this is axe like the axe body wash yeah. like deodorant so okay. these
1: are like one of the what year was this thing so the axe it's like de- 2008 or something we're looking at it right now the axe detailer
0: yeah. 2008 yeah there you go is essentially a loofah but it's just axed out i guess if you're not familiar with the axe brand, it's very, yeah. uh, so, so these aggressive. are these
1: are awesome. These are I know, oh dear. and I know the person who drew those, but like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 2008. This is this is badass work in 2008. Yeah. And this is one of these projects where I think was like started off as like someone's crazy idea, and they're like, "What if Axe made a loofah?" Right. And then Prime crushed it with this awesome design. It looks and, like a, it looks like a uh,
0: motorcycle tire or something. Yeah. And,
1: tire And again, this is you know this is now 11 years old, right, so it's yeah. a little the world's a little different. <laughs> Um, but I think they made like when I was there that had had like they had made like ten million of these things. Whoa. Something crazy. Yeah. yeah. Something absurd. Yeah. Um so we were doing all types of cool stuff. Um
0: I mean not gonna lie, like sixteen year old me might have bought this, like
1: Right. You're not yeah. you're no longer the demographic.
0: I'm no longer a demographic. You're saying like, you're above this now? I, I'm in between. You're still a loofah boy. I definitely have a loofah, yeah. but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's it kind of has a little, you know it's got you know, some character to it.
1: It's cool, and uh, we we worked <laughs> on all we you know we worked on all different types of stuff there, and it was just a really great experience. But um, while I w- it was funny though, and I go back to this because. It was a weird transition. I think it was a, a transitional time for Prime because they were trying to figure out where they kind of fit in right. the design industry. Yeah, where They weren't big. They weren't like a huge, you know, a frog. Right. Or a, a smart for that matter. This is
0: almost boutique studio. Like four or five people. Totally. Small.
1: Totally. And they also weren't packaging. And like Foresight did a ton of packaging design. And that wasn't Prime's thing. They weren't. I mean, they just, they, they liked doing physical product. Like just a yeah. like traditional ID. And it was actually... Uh, after I left, about a year and a half after I left, that they got the Harry's project.
2: Oh yeah.
0: yeah, I think I think the Harry's Razor project was kind of the claim to fame for Prime right now.
1: Yeah, and Harry's, I believe, and you know, per- Stewart, if he hears this, he'll text me and be like, "You were so wrong about all this," <laughs> but um, I think I'm right. Um, uh, Harry's was like a really, um, I wish, I wish I had worked on this. Yeah. It's a year and a half after I left, I think. But, I mean, this is, again, this is right around the time of, like, where startups right. are really hitting critical mass. Yeah. Because, like, Harry's was started by one of the founders of uh, Warby Parker. Right. Yeah. So, th- it was, like, an offshoot of Warby. And, like, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, we can do this. You know, like, yeah. this is one brand. Let's make another brand. Right. Yeah. This is
0: that whole, like, D2C boom that we're kind of right. in now. Right, right now.
1: And I truly believe that this project... Made a was a huge pivot for Prime because now they're doing some of the coolest startup work out there. Yeah, you know they're just cranking on it.
2: Yeah, Um, they did the uh, Gobi toothbrush and this Welly brand, which I saw I saw in Target the other day. It just launched. It's awesome. Um, Squish,
1: you you worked on Squish. Squish, I worked on. Yeah, that was a good
0: project. Yeah, (laughs) for those of you listening,
2: Squish (laughs) was this the first like collapsible stuff? No. So this is a cool project because these are silicone.
0: uh, I guess colanders slash kitchen equipment.
2: Yeah, so collapsible
1: it's kitchen. Equipment. It's collapsible kitchen okay. equipment. Um, mixing bowls, mixing bowls, measuring spoons, colanders, things like that. Right. And uh, squish um, was an interesting project because this was like a patent, uh, a patent, uh, a version project. We'll right. Call it. Oh right. yeah. So I believe Tupperware, Rubbermaid, one of them, they had the, the patent for collapsible okay. silicone. So it was a really cool project because this uh, the parent company Robinson Home, they asked us to do this, they had this idea, they want to build this new line and they wanted to, the innovation was really in the CMF. So it was the first brand to actually mix colors that way and also its finishes that way so the polish on the rim and the polish on the plastic parts marrying next to the uh the matte finish of the silicone was like actually really kind of like
0: interesting really
1: revolutionary at the time
0: so there was already existing silicone collapsible container kitchen equipment but their take on it was oh hey it all looks ugly let's let's actually take the time to do some nice CMF yeah some color material finish on it.
1: And no one had turned it into its own brand. Right. I think okay. so it was like one of the first time like we're gonna make a collection of products built on this principle right. of collapsibility and yeah. color and fun. So it was really cool, but the first thing we had to do was get around the patent. Right. So so you start to understand like you're working with engineers, you're working with their lawyers, trying to figure out what are the folds right. of a piece of silicone. Yeah. Because it's you know this is where you get like annoyed with patents. You're like you oh, can't yeah. own that. Yeah, and you're like come on, that's anyone trying right. do that. We had this conversation
2: <laughs> on the podcast, and I I would be curious to hear what you think about the whole the whole patent thing because I mean we we certainly talked it out, and I don't know I I sort of have mixed feelings about it. But like, what are your thoughts?
1: Look, I mean you have to protect,
2: right? Do you? The,
1: yeah, you do. You you know, you need. You do need to protect yourself because you never know. Because, because otherwise, the little guy can get beat out by the big guy. You don't always win just because you're first. Mm. Sometimes you're first and doesn't mean you're the biggest or the best. And you've had, like, this is a really terrible uh, example. So I regret it ahead of time. But I'm pretty sure, like, the snuggy it's like one of these stories uh, where like it's someone had thought of it before. Right. And it didn't have the capital. Like they had launched it right. and it failed. But then here comes a conglomerate and they're like, You can't patent a blanket with holes with arms in it. Right. And they launched like the brand and they have the infomercial and they're able to turn into a thing. And so patents I think are important to give people some level of protection, a head start, just like some guidelines to own what's yours. Yeah they are i get that it's like a again a gray topic and it's not that black and white but, but do
2: you do you recall i mean i recall when at lifetime brands having to use like inferior mechanisms for certain things because we couldn't use oh yeah like the patent and then it's just like why make that, this that's product? one of those like why, that's yeah. one of those awful feelings of yeah. like we are we're, like this is two steps back that sounds
1: and- that was also like a lifetime thing. <laughs> I, I hate to say it.
2: <laughs> but it was it was frustrating because like it, it just it just feels like if we are talking about just innovation and the course of innovation, we should just be building on top of each other and not like moving around. I don't know. It's uh no, yeah, I know it's a really it, difficult topic. It is a
1: difficult topic because there's also design patents versus yeah. like, you know, functional patents. So it's right. a whole level of things. Right. But we were able to do it successfully here and not make any true compromises, which is important. And I think you're right. When the actual Function or whatever it is, the quality of a product suffers because of it. Just don't do it.
0: Yeah,
2: you
1: know, which is easier said than done from our seat.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but <laughs> yeah. the business side of things, yeah. Like a yeah, different story. we like, know? just don't
1: do it. They're like, oh, is that the
0: answer? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. All right, you don't. <laughs> okay, you're fired. We won't, we won't. Just don't. Right, we're not going like to pay you. <laughs> yeah, no salary then. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, Squish was an awesome project I got to work on. Um, I got to do a bunch of cool things, and I was there for a little while. And um, after working there, um, you know. Uh, Things, things had slowed down there, and I, uh, I kind of switched over to freelance, and I was just kind of taking on a bunch of different roles. And so it was at that point that um, I remember one day a friend of mine called me up, a guy I used to work with uh, who's now uh, named Will Steinkraus, and he's the head of uh, ID at um, Nerf Dog in New Jersey. Oh. Yeah, so he oversees all the – Pet stuff. Yeah, all the pet stuff. Um, and uh, he was at Martha Stewart. He was a, he was a senior designer at Martha Stewart. And he was the only industrial designer. Martha Stewart. The cooking lady? The cooking lady, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Some of our listeners don't know Martha Story. Is she still around?
1: I think everyone everyone knows because, you know. We got some Gen But She's a, been
2: cooking with Snoop Dogg. Exactly. She's been seen cooking oh. with Snoop Dogg recently. Yeah, she
1: has a TV show with Snoop Dogg. Martha is, her true genius is staying relevant. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is like her true. Even, yeah. She is just, she knows where, how to be a I mean,
2: she it. went to, she, well, she didn't go to prison, right? She was just under house arrest? No, she went to jail. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, she's she got street cred. I don't. I don't know the full story. I, was that was that to also remain relevant? Getting no, Martha, put into prison? So you worked
0: for Martha Stewart. So wait,
1: you... I worked for Martha Stewart. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You want? I mean, we, I'm going to talk about her her right. her, her, her jail record or <laughs> the design work. Martha, here here's what I'll say. Here's what I'm going to defend Martha. Um, Martha is she's a tough cookie and she doesn't she's she's really strong in her convictions and she really believes in what she believes in and yeah. in that case that was a situation where to my understanding my uh, she she didn't believe she didn't believe she did anything wrong right. and therefore suffered a consequence right but she's like over my dead body am i apologizing for something i think was i didn't do wrong yeah yeah and you know
2: you yeah. know props you know it's like damn that's Fair enough that's freaking street crash yeah she's like, go
1: on send me to jail i'm not saying sorry <laughs> dude a lot of people would crumble Martha's yeah. like bring it yeah she's a billionaire at this point yeah you know? it's like did so, you
2: get a chance to design her ankle bracelet no this is before <laughs> my time okay anyway
1: so 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 listen so i go i work for martha anyway so what happens yeah. is a friend calls me up and he's like do you want this job and yeah. i'm like absolutely not no way in hell. I'm not doing it. Um, you know what it is? I just... I I, I just... Uh, I just... I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I, I had no connection to her. I had no connection to the brand. Right. Um, I was very much a, tra- a traditional industrial designer. I liked tech and, you know, freaking sneakers and cars. And I was like... Pfft. You know, and I'd already worked in housewares and I'm like, I don't want to do housewares again. Yeah. And um, luckily I had a lot of people in my corner at the time convincing me it was a really good idea. Hmm. And they were like, "Listen, this is a good idea. <laughs> Take this job. Just try it and we'll see what happens." Yeah. And it is by far the best decision I'd ever made in my career. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So
2: people in your corner like all, like are you talking about like the the, the mentors, like the people that N- um
1: yeah, the mentors and also just like people like, you know, friends and families uh, yeah. and like people who like who 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 meant who had a connection to the brand.
0: Right. I, right. I, I also think it's it's worth saying, like, obviously, Martha Stewart probably isn't on many designers dream job lists, Right. right? But just hearing you say that, hey, it was the most impactful thing in your career. Is really valuable, right? Like because 100%. you don't know. We don't know what the most impactful things going to be yeah. unless you try it out.
1: A hundred percent. Like, do not turn down right. opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like, you never know where it's coming from. Right. And you know, look, if it's if it doesn't feel right, if it feels wrong, don't do it. Right. Yeah. But if if there's a chance it could be good, try it out.
2: Yeah. Well, who cares? Yeah. Just try
1: it. Like, try it. and If you don't like it, do something. And else. if
2: yeah, if you don't like it, don't stay there for thirty years. Right. <laughs>
1: right because it's a different like, world you know like, it's like it's sh- not the same thing as our yeah. parents and grandparents where it's like and you retire and they give you a watch <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, i think we just have you seen have you seen just the domino's her. rolex we just, oh no oh, for, i
2: think i saw that actually. i think i think, I I think, saw think that. every i think every year you know how i heard about this danny brown i thought this was a da- podcast was da- there a podcast about this danny i heard no, about it too so. danny brown the the rapper he Oh, he's a rapper? Yes. He collects these watches. So From dom- Domino's? Domino's I think every year or something to their top salesperson or their top what I, I forget, but they give them a custom Rolex Domino's. And it has like a Domino's
0: watch. logo in it.
2: That's pretty
1: badass.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel like they go on StockX for like, like boom. Like really I expensive. Like,
1: honestly, I feel like <laughs> Domino's Deserves a lot of credit. They yeah. really do try. Like, come that, on, that's, that's ridiculous.
2: That's incredible. Um, but anyway, so, <laughs> Dan, Martha Stewart. Yes,
0: so Martha Stewart obviously yeah. had a kitchen show, and you designed kitchen products for her. Right? Or how did that evolve? Right.
1: So, you know, I went into I went into Martha as a senior designer. I became a senior designer at Prime. Uh, and I was like, you know, and, and title is another thing. I mean, we can get into that, but. I kind of went in there as an army of one. Mm. And uh, Martha was broken up into two sides of a business. It was media and product, media and merchandising. And media was multiple magazines, a television show, cookbooks, web series, etc. She's a media conglomerate. So it was Martha Stewart Living Omni Media at the time. And the company was huge. And it was like probably 400 people when I first started. And she had a TV show and, you know, basic cable or whatever it was. And it was just like a huge thing. It was like, it was like a machine. Yeah. And what was cool was that you start to see like, and that's why when I interviewed there, I'm like, all right, this is too cool. Like the the office was amazing. There were test kitchens. There was TV studios. There was film studios. There was like you know photo studios. There was all these things, and you just saw like this energy of creativity yeah. Yeah. of things that I'd never witnessed before. Things I didn't care about. So I'm like, this is that that itch again. Where right. I'm like, I don't like perfume, perfume. Uh. I'm like, but this is cool. I want to do it. Yeah,
0: it's different. You're you're learning something new.
1: I had the exact same itch, and I'm like, I want to do this. Yeah. So I came in there, and what Martha had in the merchandising side was of different pillars of business is different verticals rather and it was like pet uh pet smart business you had craft uh, and a michael's business uh home depot you have kitchen bath uh whatever decorative accessories things like that textiles and then you have uh, kitchen yeah and when i started off there i was it was just me and we had a partnership with macy's and um i oversaw the kitchen department so if you go to macy's cellar right now the there's still she's still one of the most of uh, well, their premier brands it's an entire collection of of just huge swath of products so all of a sudden i'm being told you are now in charge of uh a seasonal product line right um which is a whole thing
0: wait wait so this is kind of your first transition into like owning a more yes. of a bigger bigger piece yes, of the pie here 100
1: okay so that's that was a big thing for me oh, yeah um because i've i i enjoy looking at things in a bigger picture okay. i think it's one of the reasons i've been able to succeed in that type of capacity and uh in those types of posi- uh, positions because getting to work on stories and collections and multiple products and larger opportunities is something that i really really love yeah yeah and with martha like a lot of housewares it's a seasonal program so when you work for these these uh, housewares companies or um these uh, retailers rather it's a fashion driven brand or a fashion driven industry. So it's what are the new colors and what are the new collections and every year it's something new and different. So you're always working a year out so you're mm-hmm. constantly, right. so it's this year, I'm working on Christmas next year. yeah, And then that, on Christmas, you're working on holiday collections. And there's like, every year Christmas is showing up and Halloween's showing up. Right, right. And again, are these things that I necessarily excite like my like, traditional industrial, right. you know, Dieter Rams yeah, side yeah, of me, yeah, I'm yeah. like, no, but I'm like, <laughs> but this is cool and it's different and I'm learning. right, yeah. right. So I took on that role and very quickly, at first it was kind of like a really easy job. Like I wasn't really doing that much. It was kind of silly and like overnight, Management changed, some new partnership changed, the company was shifting, and everything changed. And all of a sudden, I became, uh, I started to get elevated in the company. And wow. I was promoted, I was told I built a team, I built an entire department. Uh, and what ended up just being kitchen ended up being tabletop. What ended up being kitchen and tabletop ended up being most of the ID work that was happening across different uh, categories. So we were working in PET. Um, We were assisting in some Home Depot things. We were doing a lot of the point of purchase, all the retail um, fixtures, things like that. So it really just started to expand. And what I tried to build was the in-house ID team, Mm. which was really different for them because everyone was like, you work on this and you work on that. And I was like, no, we're, we're a skill. We're like a firm. We're like a little consultancy. What do you need from us?
0: Right. And That's then, interesting.
1: Yeah. So we were able to kind of build out this different way of thinking, and yeah, you know, you're pulling up some of like the point of purchase retail, you know, settings and things like that. So it was just fun and really, really different. um
0: I mean, this is your first transition into more this manager role, which I know you you you've kind of transitioned into this role. I mean, how does that how does that feel? Did you miss any of the traditional kind of nitty gritty ID? right i mean that that's the big question at least at least on my side and i'm sure that there might be other people out there kind of thinking about this topic of like right there's there's a couple paths you can take in your career right as a designer right you can work your way up the the ladder and become more of a manager and do less nitty-gritty industrial design or you can kind of stay as a specialist or you can kind of do your own thing. It's
1: right. Well, it's funny. Cause when you had like Scott Henderson on here, yeah. he told that story, which I, I hear, I'm like, yep, I get that. Where he's, he rose the right, rose to the ranks right. in smart design. And he's like, I'm not designing anymore. Yeah. yeah. I want to design. And he built his own company, his own personal brand of design. Now he gets to do all this great work as an independent. Yeah. Right. And he has like a small team or whatever it is. But, um, he, you know, really wanted to be hands on for me. Uh, I actually love being a director. Yeah. Um, it was something that I actually didn't know anything about. And um, as soon as it just made a lot of sense for me, I mean, I've, I, I guess I've always been this way,
0: sort I mean, of. I mean, if you listen to last episode, you can talk, you, you kind of talk about a little bit of the systems thinking that you right. enjoyed in school. And I feel like that systems, like service design, interactions, like all of that more kind of holistic design side definitely lends itself a lot more to the to that director side of design i think
1: totally and you know what it is i'm, I'm also very right brain left brain like mm-hmm. I, I mean again i was told to to stop to get out of the bike shop and get on the sales floor yeah. Right. Yeah. they're like seriously you gotta go <laughs> and and you know it's because i actually love the business side of design also right. i really do and i love i love telling the story and selling people on good design because One of the things you learn really on in your career is that a lot of good design fails. And it's for, for really stupid reasons. You know, things aren't packaged right. They're not merchandised right. Like, seriously, it's not even on the shelf correctly and people don't see it and the product fails yeah. and it was really, really good. Mm. I remember there was this really cool salt and pepper grinder. I'll never forget it at Lifetime Brands at Danny Lenz, the guy who, who started um, uh, Aquapaw. And for anyone who doesn't, anyone who has a dog out there, get, get an Aquapaw. <laughs> it isn't a life changing product. It's really, really great.
0: Is this a thing that sticks on your bathtub?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it in your bathtub and honestly right. yeah, he, yeah. So, he he took a long he, he spent a long time building this thing. But <laughs>
0: we need we need to explain this because it's so foreign to people I yeah. don't know. It, it's, it,
1: it's 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 a, basically it's a scene on Shark Tank. There you go. It is a, a device. It's like a silicone device that attaches with a hose to your tub or any faucet. And as you, it basically has water coming out of directly out of your hand. But what it does is it also has a bristle. So you're basically petting your animal, your dog, or, mm. you know, as you're cleaning them. So it's much more comforting. It's controlled. Right. And he has a patent mechanism, which basically, as you close your fist, it turns it on, it turns it ah. off. So it's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Um... Why are we talking about this? <laughs> I forgot.
2: <Tangent.
1: laughs> uh um, No, the businesses of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's just like it's just what I kind of, I just gravitated towards and really loved, and um, I just excel at it. And it was something that I just felt more comfortable being in that role and being able to oversee it. And what I've what I've learned is that, and a lot of people ask me, it's funny because it's controversial. I think. When people are like, "Are you really a designer?" Mm. People ask you that. One hundred percent. I would because, just walk away <laughs> because because they're like, oh, well, 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 well. <laughs> "Well, because you go. There is this idea which designers have, which is that if I didn't draw every line, mm. it's not mine. Mm.
0: I have that problem. That that's the that's the problem I'm right in right now. It's like I'm on that transition phase of like, where where do I go from from here? Like, I, right. How do you expand? You, know? you
1: have to give up. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give up control sometimes. Yeah. And what I what I say a lot to my team and just in general, and this is something that I'm going to try to be talking to with more students, is that I think there is the sport of design. I think design is a sport. All right, here's my, here's my analogy, is that it's very simple. It's very similar where it's a team that makes something great. And reality right. is a lot of people touch a product before it goes forward, For sure. you know. So it's not just the designer; it's the person, it's the marketing manager, the merchandising yeah. engineer. manager, engineer, engineer. It's the director, it's the factory, it's the all these people, and everyone has claim to it at the end of it. And it's that team that makes it really great, you know. And like like a sport you keep track of who's winning and who's losing and who's great and who's like the best and who's the MVP and it's a competition and there's awards and all these things and if you look at it like that I think it's a lot easier because mm. you go know, it really you know we know we know that we know great players but we also but we celebrate them and being part of really great teams yeah and what I love to be is the the leader of that team. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I've been working on it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, uh, but it's true. And I think for me right now, especially even the role I'm in now, I don't get to see every single product that leaves our team through as much as I wish. This right. is not enough time in the day. Yeah. But on the things that I re- I can, I really try to put my input on. There's I'm still there sketching every day. Right. I'm still there brainstorming. I'm not in CAD as much as I wish I could be. I'm not there doing all the renderings as right. much as I yeah. could because my role somewhere else. Right. But I feel ownership over that design just as much as you do because I'm making sure it gets made. I'm making sure it's great. I represent the interest of both the designer as well as the client I'm that middle person who's trying to make something actually happen right and for me being in a director role and I think a lot of people who are many directors or other people in that role would agree with is it's just as fulfilling and it's just as exciting it's just in a very different way yeah um, so Martha was that kind of first opportunity that really enabled that for me to really kind of come into my own, to be able to again take a step back from just designing a single object and be like, well, how does this one object fit into a collection? Yeah. And how does this one collection fit into an entire brand story over the course of a year? And how does this bigger thing fall fall into the entire co- like you know right. massive part of right. this ten year twenty year legacy of what Martha Stewart is or yeah. something like that? So it's kind of cool.
2: Wow. I mean, one, one thing, one other tangent that I would like to take us off on because you talked about it a little bit. Um, I've certainly noticed throughout my career that there are different types of designers. Like you, like when somebody says like, I want to hire an industrial designer. Like when I think of that, I think of all the industrial designers I know and how they are different people with right. different skill sets, with different abilities. Pull and something they, up as you're y- saying in this. Yeah, yeah. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm curious about is, like, in building a team, like, how do you build the right team? Like, I, and I don't know, like, if you have the answer to this or right. if you have if you have some inkling as to, like, what it takes to build that good team. So
1: it's a really great question. It's yeah. a super hard question. It's very loaded. And the, what I'm looking at my phone for is because I'm pulling up. I'm, I have a terrible memory, unfortunately, when it comes to names. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I'm a big reader, and right. I definitely encourage everyone out there to read. Yeah, um, especially when it comes to design books and business books. I'm like obsessed.
0: You got any like you got any go tos?
1: Well, well, the one I'm going to reference right now, it's called the Ten Faces of Innovation. Oh, right, interesting. Okay. So, um, so Ido read every IDEO book first of all, because what they are is they're history books. And they go all the way back to, I forgot what the first one was called, The Art of Design, The Art of Innovation, I think was the very first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Art of Innovation, um, Change by Design. I mean, there's a bunch of them, right? Um, but those are really great history books because they tell case studies. Yeah, And they tell really intricate stories about how a product or an idea or an innovation succeeded or failed or something like that. Actually, a really good tan- a good tangent to that was I was reading one of these books and I was reading about a case study that Procter and Gamble did with um, IDEO, uh, how they tried to get Old Spice into the, the hands of young people. Mm. And what they did was they created these boxes for students that were going into health class in middle school. So you're hitting puberty, and you don't know what deodorant is. Right. And the school gives you a box. Here's your boy box, and there's boy stuff in there, and there's Old Spice. I was a part of that study and I still use Old Spice today. Oh. Yes. So testament is, to the study, I guess. Yeah, huh? which is like a, a little <laughs> bit maybe too much information, but I'm just saying but it's true. It's so it's a really interesting. But. I thought
0: I thought Old Spice claim to fame was that one guy that rides a horse or
2: whatever. What's his name? Terry Cruz? Is that the same guy? <laughs>
1: Terry Crew- i mean he's yeah.
2: just <laughs> indefinitely riding a horse <laughs> yes. i saw him at icff riding a horse um he is he,
1: does, he is is he does yeah, yeah i think he's an i think he has a degree in architecture yeah yeah he has a
0: furniture collection yeah. i'm so glad it was Terry cruz yeah. yeah he's a, he's a really interesting there. guy yeah
1: but um building a great team right so that not that that book has all the answers but it's, it's very fascinating and it made me think about it um but uh, team is everything team yeah. dynamic is everything. And like, I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science, it's balance. And you just need to find people that are good at different things and that complement each other really right. well. Because that friction that I talked about earlier at past jobs, that's poison, that yeah. is freaking venom. And when yeah. you have people that butt heads that don't get along, that aren't willing to listen to each other, that's when things fail. Right. And to build a great team is to really understand what you need, to succeed what what what's the output that you have to get out there and who can get you there mm. and you know also who can you can rely on because for me a lot of these jobs you know a lot of work I've done you, you're working late right you know you're pulling in crazy hours yeah. and I need to know that you're going to be there with me right and I need to I need to know that you want to stay late to mm. get this done cuz it's not good enough that's
0: yet. interesting
1: yeah and it's like cuz honestly that's that's a tough thing because I want to make sure that you're as passionate about this as I am. Right. That you have the same expectations, the same taste level, the same like requirements for success. Because when I leave and you're still there at your desk, I'm like, I'm staying. I'm not leaving. And I'm like, yes, it's awesome. Or like I'm like trying to get you out of your seat. Like we gotta go home. It's done. Yeah. Like we can't do any more filleting tonight. You know? <laughs> no more renders. Just
0: hit go. No more solid <laughs> works. No
1: more solid. Turn it work. off. So to me And what I've been, I feel like I've been able to be successful with team building and things like that. It's just really understanding people. It's being empathetic and just really listening also, you know, uh, to what people need and what people want. Right. That's
2: crazy. I mean, just the idea of that empathy, because it's like to think about you and your role currently with with smart. It's like you're being. You're being, I think I heard Dutulo talking about this re- recently in a podcast about being empathetic to the client, but it's like, as in your position, I can imagine you being empathetic to the client, empathetic to the user, empathetic to your team. And like Right. The, empathetic <laughs> to the company, to, yeah. like, to your company, yeah. to what they need. Yeah.
1: No. It's you. It's it's infinite empathy. <laughs> <laughs> Empathize with everybody. The key to
0: design. Infinite em- empathy. No,
1: but it is in a weird way. But you know what? It's you the. Co- a little
0: embroider patch. Im- infinite empathy.
1: Yeah, I'm empathetic. I'm a designer. <laughs> um, you know what it is? I. I feel as though. You know, you hear like the customer is always right. Right. And then you hear like, no, the employee is also is right. You hear like that kind of like that fight where it's always like, be good to your employees. Yeah. You know, be great to your customers, but also be good to your employees. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is 100% the most true thing ever because those are the ones who are, those, those are your people. Those are right. your soldiers. Right. Those are the ones who are going to get it done. Those yeah. are the ones who are going to get you to that, that level of success and make something great. And also like I want, you know, I'm trying to learn too. So when I hire somebody, that's I I only want to hire people that are better than me. Yeah, like I want to hire people that are like really good so that I can learn from them. I feel like that's what Steve Jobs said. Didn't Steve Jobs say a quote like that? Maybe that's a good book too. You should read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's it's about. It's about that type of environment that you wanna build where you want people to to be excited to work with you, to work for you, where not every project is great. Yeah. yeah. Some projects really aren't that much fun. Right. But they're important. Right. Right. You know, this this project is important to this client. This project may be important to our business. We gotta do it. We right. have to do a good job yeah so how do you make sure you have the right people doing it is everything and um a lot of it comes from empathy and really just making sure that you treat people how they need to be treated and like you know just think about every bad experience you ever had every bad boss every time you were given bad direction where a client's like "Ah, i don't like it i don't know why i can't tell you why i don't like it but fix it right and you're like great cool i'm gonna go you know you're you know you're being billed hourly right <laughs> and you're like this is so expensive it's like right you couldn't make a decision <laughs> so you know really listening to yourself about how you would want to be managed i think is also a big part of being a manager i'm kind of all over the place with this but i mean
0: you know. i think the, you know to kind of wrap up the martha stewart thing it seems like you definitely grew a ton just In terms of understanding how to grow a team and just managing a team at Martha Stewart. And then I I guess I'm curious, like, where did you take that? How did you go to the next step? And kind of how does that lead you to where you are now?
1: Well, all right. So it's still actually because of Martha. Because the other thing that I learned there, which really also changed me as a creative and as a designer, was inspiration. Mm. What inspired me Mm. completely changed. Interesting. So before, again, going into that job, I was uh, so much a very much a traditional ID.
0: Right. You're on Lay Minouche every day. Um, I... That didn't exist back then, okay. but yes.
1: <laughs> Core 77. And I'm just like on there, and it's like, oh, I'm reading every ID magazine and all these things and whatnot. And Scott mentioned that. I remember I heard that one. ID magazine used to be the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, which was really, it's rest in peace. Um, but uh, yeah. But one of the things that I... Really learned uh, at Martha was a different appreciation of things, and that kind of started with color, pattern, texture, and history. Mm. So, before when you when you start a project, right, what do you do? You go to Pinterest, you go online, you look at lay menus, you look at what's out there, what's new, what's exciting. You go sample shopping. They, they tell you to design a new microphone. You're going to look at all the new microphones, all the new technology. You're going to look at all the things that are peripheral and analogous. Right. And you're going to say, I'm going to pull inspiration from all these things. And yeah. then you're going to go and look, what well, maybe at a vintage microphone. That's like step one at Martha, where we wouldn't look at the, the current day. We weren't looking towards a future. We were always looking in the past and in a good way for inspiration and we had this thing called the prop house there and it was because we had a a film studio and a media studio and all these things we literally had like a parisian flea market in our office like huge like thousand square foot room of like every documented like cup saucer (laughs) piece of like a globe from the turn of the century like all these incredible things and you just go in there and get lost it was a library of beautiful objects yeah and your job working there was to find more beautiful objects interesting so instead when we travel because we would travel a lot there we'd go to flea markets Hmm. we'd go across we'd go to a trade show in a different country and the first thing we do when we get there is hit up a flea market go to an antique shop yeah and you're you're a lot of fun you become like a treasure hunter yeah and all of a sudden you're digging through this box and you find this object which is maybe a kitchen tool from like turn of the century that no one even knows right yeah. and you're like, I'm gonna bring this back because yeah. it's completely foreign right completely yeah. foreign or it's like I'm working on this detail and I need to pull I'm working on this story for this new collection I need a detail instead of looking at again the internet, I'm literally looking at the past and that yeah. was a huge thing which I never did before. Yeah. And if I think about how that influenced me, if I was to design my own home before Martha and after, before it was like Muji, white, minimal, yeah, this guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like, now you're talking. And when I left, it was like color, pattern, texture. Yeah. interesting. I have so many bowls Hmm. in my house, just bowls. Just like yeah. ceramic bowls and like things that I've bought. I have like so many kitchen towels and like textiles and table runners and all these things, which I never pillows, <laughs> things I never cared about growing yeah. into it. And now I'm just like, it just completely changed me. And all of a sudden I just immerse myself in these different uh, forms of inspiration. And that was a huge thing. Yeah. Hmm. So getting to think differently about design was a huge part of that job as well.
2: Oh, man, color color is one of those things that is so frightening because anytime you get into a meeting with somebody who's like... It's polarizing. I, it's subjective. I mean, I just remember designing kitchen tools and gadgets and it was like, it's either black or red because these are the colors that sell. And right. if you do anything different than that, then then it's like, it's game over. Did I, did I tell a story about
0: when I designed a litter box and I, the, the buyer wanted to make it brown so that the cat times. the cat crap would blend in oh it was no. i was so frustrated i really didn't. i first of all wants... i didn't want my litter box to be brown no it's it's no a, a brown litter box <laughs> and <laughs> then the basis of which oh, i just oh, it was a disaster and color is a whole thing
1: color is a whole thing and it's funny because you talk about kitchen it's like KitchenAid is like this they are such a they're so progressive when it comes to their mixers as for colors right they're so on the nose about trends they're ahead of the curve and every year they're releasing trend colors and these really beautiful fashion and they have like ones that stay and ones that come and go but to your point every year black white and red
2: yeah those
1: are the ones that sell the most yeah so but but they bring out new colors every year because it gives them credibility. Right. And yeah. It brings excitement. It's marketing and it drives sales. Right. So there's a logic behind it as well. And color is a completely fascinating thing. There's another really good book, Ingrid Fattel. I apologize if I got mm-hmm. her name wrong. She used to be at, uh, high up at IDEO. She wrote a book called Joy, or Joyful. It's on the list. I can give you the, the book list I have after put this. put a link or something. Yeah, yeah, will yeah. put Dan's That's, book list. It's a really good book. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good book on color and just how we actually interact with it on a yeah. very, like, uh, um, just uh, emotional level. It's really cool. So, yeah, um, Martha Stewart left there, and uh, from there, uh, wanted to do something completely different and was looking for a change. I had been at a big company, so I now I've worked for a big company, it's a public company. I've worked for a small, you know, small consultancy, I've worked for a medium consultancy, I've worked for a big, you know, kitchen conglomerate, I worked for a power tools company. I am like so freaking sick of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. like I want to do something you've, totally different. You've done different. everything. No, I, you know, but I've well, you know, so I've done a bunch, but uh, I see I'm a dog person. I'm a dog person. Do you have a dog? I do. I have a dog person. I know, and I know yeah, you, know, you know, I have a dog. Like you have we, a dog. We, we both know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we all I know have, it. I, Dan has a dog. Yeah, I work with foster dogs. I do, I'm do. i like big on dogs, yeah. right? And all of a sudden, this startup pops up and it's called Bark. Bark Box is this product that everyone knows about. I mean, at least in New York, it's like one of these startups that
0: subscription uh, service for dog toys. Yep, mm-hmm.
1: subscription service. And they're looking for uh, a designer, they're looking for a senior designer. So I'm a director at this point. Um, I've been at Martha now for about five years. I have an absurd title. Um, my t- <laughs> my title is this is and this is an important lesson to everyone out there. Okay. Titles don't mean anything. What, what was your title? <laughs> my uh, the initials of my title was AVPDDD. What? What does that mean? Associate Vice President Deputy Design Director. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Titles only matter where you work because everywhere a senior, a senior here could mean an executive there. You yeah. know, who the hell knows? Yeah. So AVP DDD, I'm like, come on, don't put that on my business card. <laughs> Depu- and then, then you get all these deputy jokes. And you're like, come on, oh, who's the sheriff? And you're like, here we go. No, it's like, not great. It's not great.
2: Who was the assistant to the deputy designer? Yeah, director? exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, but man. anyway. So, so yeah, you located Bark and Co.
1: So I located Bark and Co. And the funny story there is that, and this is some, another good, uh, fun story, is that they were a really young company. They were super, super young. And I LinkedIn stalked them and I see who they are. And I start looking through the roster of employees and I'm like, they're looking for a senior designer I'm too senior for this role based on the description, right. but I really want to work there. Yeah, yeah. I kind of love the idea of designing toys. I've never designed toys. I really want to work with dogs. I know nothing about you know cut and sew plush. Let's let's do it. Let's try it. How do I get there? I start looking through it and I realize I don't think they know what they need. I mm. think that someone in HR wrote this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna apply. Okay. And I'm gonna tell them in my application. I'm like I want to work for you, and I think here's why you should hire me and not a senior designer. Interesting. That's a bold move right there. It was a bold move. That's a bold move. And and, uh, it worked. And it was like one of the quickest jobs I ever got. They actually wrote me right away and they brought me in within like a week or so. And um, it moved really quickly. Um, and yeah, it was kind of like as I predicted that they were, they were you know, this year, only a couple years old as a company. Um, at that point, they had kind of outsourced a lot of their design work. They'd never really built an in-house team. There was a VP of design there at the time. And he was kind of trying to build a team there. Uh, and basically, they needed to have someone actually do the work, heavy lifting, and that was me. So I came in there, and uh, a team of one, we brought in a freelancer, and from there built an entire design department up from the ground up, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, and you guys were developing lines of dog toys, and this kind of goes back to kind of your holistic viewpoint of like, you really loved building that story. Right. Because, I mean, this is where I come into to, right. to your life. finally. <laughs>
1: Finally, next, back to Nick. Excuse me, it, it, but it, it, I was there first.
2: true. We knew each other first. Yeah, James, Sorry. James James introduced yeah. yeah. Dan and I share a mentor in That's Jason true. Poor. We never overlapped at lifetime, unfortunately. No, we but um yeah, we
1: worked for the same guy.
2: Yeah. Um, um no, Dan has a has a record of hiring gingers. Is, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> Seth Fowler. Oh yeah. Uh also yeah. Uh, episode person- twenty two. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't know what it is <laughs> it's close. So, it's so Seth, there.
1: so Seth was my it's like, God, I forgot he was on the show. Yeah. Seth was my intern at Martha. Yeah. And then he worked at Lifetime. And then I hired him out of there to work for me at Bark. Okay. Um okay. and then Katie Lim, who was on the show. Yeah. She oh, yeah. was my
0: episode. Fifty-five. Wow, good memory. Uh,
1: she uh, he's like, I have no idea. You're just like throwing numbers out.
0: People will figure it out. She, uh,
1: yeah, she was, uh, I, she was a senior designer, and now she's a director of ID there, overseeing the Super Chur line. Super, yeah, super proud of uh, her accomplishments. She's crushed it there.
2: Yeah, yeah. We've yeah, so we've we've pretty much interviewed the the Bark All Stars. Well, yeah. you know what
1: it is. This is again like a good reminder for all the young people out there. It is a tight, small field. Yeah. And you never, we all really, if you're in the field, it's, we all really do know each other. So yeah. it's important that you're good to each other and that you're loyal and that you help each other out because you never know when you're going to need that assistance. And especially, again, when you talk about building a team, I mean, I build people, I, I try to hire people that I know, that I can trust, people I've yeah. worked with before. And if I get contacted from a recruiter about a job that I want, or I'm sorry, that they want, you know, that's interested in whatever, that they're looking for me to, I go, well, that's not right for me, but I know the person right and i've gotten other people hired that used to work for me before you know going through that right right now with another guy used to work with me i'm trying to get him uh, to a job that um, sounds really cool so like you never know you know you never really really know but um yeah so went to bark and uh kind of went got into dog toys
0: i i guess i think maybe is there any good good kind of tips that you know you've worked on a lot of Consumer products, obviously, mm-hmm. and then pet products is interesting because the buyer of the product is not the user of the product. Right, right. So I don't know if there's any insights there. If if you learned anything from that experience of it was doing dog toys. <laughs> it's it's. I know I know from from my experience, it is very story heavy at Bark. It's all about build, building that story of like each subscription box is a theme. Right. You know, you're kind of building a little. A character and like a story to each box that the pe- person it's a whole experience right right
1: and when, when you worked at pet me pet me was very much like you're working for brands like Kong. right
0: it's very traditional more like product based but bark's different because it's like right hey i open a box and it's it's the uh it's, it's well a the kingdom box and right. you have a, a princess with the long hair you know rapunzel you know dog toy or
1: totally know. i mean you think about products that you design and you try a lot of times you do want to give them a narrative
0: right how you're using it when you should use
1: it all these different things bark and dog toys especially it's really literal it's like no there's a character and it's a story and what does that character do and how do you interact with it mm-hmm. and so that was super fascinating so but as you said like the Bark Box is this monthly subscription you get every month, and there's insert cards, and there's paper, and there's games, and there's it's a whole family experience. Right. So now having designing a product with collateral was so different, mm. right? So it's not just about the product; it's about the tag. Where's the tag say? Like, how do I how do I use this thing? And again, this is for a dog. So, but it's that in, intertwined. So even talking about like the emotional connection, so different people. You know, when we design things, and I think you guys, the stuff that you guys design, you're almost trying to design heirlooms, mm-hmm. right? Like these beautiful objects that people will cherish and keep and hold on to forever. And I think when you work in kitchen, it's interesting because we've all have that like that 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 ladle or that wood spoon from our grandma yeah. that's been passed down. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And these are like these objects that you cherish tug toys are designed to be destroyed right
2: (laughs) they're not long
0: term for sure
1: like that is crazy like just wrapping your head around that it's like i'm gonna make something which i want to be ruined right and what bark does really well is they lean into that hard Mm -hmm. and it's a replenishment model and it's all about we're gonna tell a really great story that's gonna get you really excited and then you're gonna ruin it your dog is literally gonna destroy it. You're gonna clap and applaud and be super pumped, and then you're gonna wait for next month for it to happen all over again.
0: I I feel like that was a, a a key strong suit of Bark's branding is that they lean into the fact that the toy is gonna just destroyers get club. It's
1: it's it's honestly one of the most genius things they've done. It, yeah. It's so
0: good it, because well it, it's crazy because like any saint like any normal person would be like oh let's make the most indestructible toy. Let's let's make a toy that the dogs can't destroy because right. it seems like a problem when a dog destroys a toy. And in some, you know, you can debate that all, all, all day long. But like it, it, the fact that like Bark decided to say like, oh yeah, dogs destroy toys. Like let's accept that fact and take advantage of that really made, I, I think, that was a key part of their business in my
1: opinion. 100%. It's, it's a value proposition and right. they changed it. Right. They flipped it. Mm-hmm and yeah. that was exciting to be a part of to cuz that blew my mind right and imagine going into an industry which is stale and it's been done yeah. and first of all it's bigger than baby which is wild it's a huge industry it's a weird emotional thing because when you as a as a parent so you're a parent to a child or a parent to an animal and when you spoil your child you tend sometimes you feel good but a lot of times you feel bad i shouldn't spoil my kid Shouldn't do that, you know. It's it's not good. When you spoil your dog, you feel like a king. <laughs> you're like, oh, I have given you this thing. Oh my god, more, more, more treats, more toys, and like you feel really good about yeah. it. And you know, the other funny thing is that the the pet industry is like dog, especially like it's almost impervious to like economic downturn, because if you think about it, if you're if you have a family and all of a sudden money's tight, you're gonna like you're gonna get hand me down clothing and if you have a baby, you can get a food mill and make your own baby food. There's like creative ways you can like save money. Yeah. If you don't give your dog something to chew, it's gonna chew your shoes. Mm. Like I dare you to Fair make dog I dare you to make dog food. It is yeah. a horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> it is like everyone's like, I'm gonna make my own dog food. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna like cook 12 pounds of turkey and like and then have this giant thing and then where are you going to store it and then and they're going to freeze dry it's like it is a nightmare there's
0: people at Pe- uh, at bark that do make dog food
1: that is true we, we but it, there's a, okay there's a few <laughs> but it's all these things that make for a really interesting um experience and for a brand that's really exciting and um it was great again it was like again i came from toy i'm sorry i'm sorry i came from housewares i came from beautiful objects i came from power tools and all these things and now i'm making squirrels with mustaches on it
0: i mean i I, I really enjoy the trend here of like dan you're always going out and seeking the thing that you almost know least about you're like i've never done this before like i want to learn about this i want to design for this i want to just try this out yeah, yeah, I love that.
1: Well, that's, I, I don't know. That's like the fun part of what we get to do. Right.
0: It's just that variety, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, we're, look, we're taught to be these Renaissance creative thinkers. And in reality, we very often get pigeonholed in our field. Right. And that's, it's frustrating. Yeah. You know, you want to try everything. You're like, no, just give me the opportunity to design a car. I just never did it before. And It's like, right, because the people who design cars have been designing cars. Yeah. And they know, uh, not that I want to design. I mean, I don't. I couldn't design a car. I could not design. That is way too freaking hard. (laughs) So I I overspoke. I have no business saying that. For all the car designers out there, I'm really sorry. Um, But um, no, it's it's this idea that. You can do all these different things is really exciting, but you don't always get the chance to. Right. Because you end up working in a field, and housewares is one of them, and you know this. like People get stuck yeah. doing that. And you apply. So you work in housewares, and you're like, great, I want to work in tech. I want to work for a phone company. And they're like, great, but you've never designed a phone before. And you're like, right, I'd like to start. Give right. me a chance. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they go, right, but this person... Yeah. has designed oh, a phone that's, before. The whole, that's the whole conundrum and that. that is tough yeah. Yeah. so diversity is something that i've really tried to do and push myself across my career is to make sure that i'm trying all these things so that it's a language right and i want to be able to speak as many of them as possible yeah
2: there i feel like there's a couple advantages i mean yeah so i i knew about the whole like the pigeonhole effect of if i continued to work in houseware in like kitchen tools and gadgets that kind of industry And that's why I started freelancing was to be able to expose myself to a lot of different things. But I feel like, like it kind of gave, there were kind of two benefits to that. One of which was, yes, I, I am exposed to all these different things and I get to enjoy designing all sorts of, you know, I've designed dog toys now, I've designed tech products, I, you know, like... I've designed fitness equipment, but then the other thing that it does is it actually allows you to appreciate the things that you have designed because I feel like sometimes you end up in those companies where people have been there for 20, 25, 30 years. They've been there their entire life and they're totally jaded and they don't know what to appreciate about what they've done because maybe they haven't been exposed to other things. I mean, I'm sure that there are people out there that are very like happy pursuing the same type of design all the time
1: totally and but, i know those guys and yeah. i mean i mean those people like they're they love it like i had friends in college who are like i want to design shoes yeah right. and they are doing it
2: but yeah. since i left kitchenwares now i have a a deeper appreciation for kitchenwares because now i've designed fitness equipment right. dog toys and tech products yeah, yeah. and i'm like God, I, I wish I could just design a spatula tomorrow. Well, no, it's <laughs> it,
1: it's, it's it's funny. Our friend, our mutual friend Nate, yeah, uh, who went to uh, go work for Philips, yeah, he was designing appliances, consumer appliances, out in Amsterdam. Um, the process was so different. We we worked with him at uh, Lifetime. He was like, I miss just making something as simple yeah. <clears throat> as a spatula. Yeah. Where it wasn't as complicated and intricate as like an iron. It is <laughs> it is
0: kinda of crazy nowadays. It it feels like all the 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 quote unquote I don't want to dive back into the save the world topic, but save the world stuff is so complex. And and the the spatulas don't get the credit. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. well,
1: there's something still look, it's I think it's about that whole spectrum again. It's all a spectrum. And it's like you get to work on really complex problems or you get to work on really small, precious things. Yeah. And that's fun
0: too. It's the variety again. Yeah, yeah. Right. And,
1: you know, it's funny because, like, you look at – you know a good example not you know to like go into like star designers and things like that but you look at some of them that are out there and the ones that we that are most well known the rock stars the philippe starks the right. mark newsons the johnny ives they're the ones that are like pushing themselves and i think that's why johnny ive and mark newson are probably leaving johnny Ives especially that he has, he hasn't had that chance I mean I can't speak on his behalf, so yeah, I apologize yeah, yeah. if you're listening. We have having him please we're having call on next week. Please call me so okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please call me. <clears throat> but no, I mean you know what like you know, it's like trying these different things and yeah. being able to do a car or a boot.
2: Right. Yeah, like
1: yeah. That is like, that's, that's what, why we do what we do. That's true. That's um, true. and it's all relative. So I think, um, with, so, so yeah, I mean, I do appreciate that. It's something that I have tried to, to do and pursue in my career and it's, it's like, it's just fun. It just keeps it fresh and just grows the portfolio and the story and the experience. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I feel like we would be remiss. I feel like, you know, uh, you mentioned it during the first podcast, and and so maybe just to wrap up the bark stuff and go on to smart design because you talked about the better bin, which is something that you worked on recently that like you're very passionate about. You did a talk about at IDC, mm-hmm. and so I mean, like maybe to touch on some of your your final learnings from the bark experience right. of like working at the startup. And then transitioning to then being yeah. back into the consultancy world.
1: Um, I, I think working. At, so listen, again, like uh, diversity in the work you do, diversity in the places you do. The number one st- the question students ask you is, where should I work? Yeah. In-house or, you know, yeah. you know, I should work for a company or right, work for right. a consultancy. And the answer is both. The answer <laughs> is always the both. The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, yes, yes. Try different things. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, you have to learn not just what you like, but what you don't like. Yeah. And every experience is good because it teaches you something different, and you grow, and you get better. Right. And working at a consultancy has been amazing, and working at one now is awesome. Working at a startup was life-changing. Yeah. It was different. It was fast-paced. My responsibilities were different. When I worked at Martha Stewart, here I am. I'm in charge of multi-million dollar, 10, 20 million dollar businesses. Right. And I'm working for a larger half a billion dollar brand or whatever it is. And I'm working for a freaking industry, you know, retail leaders, all these things. Very influential, very important. The work I'm doing great in the category I'm in charge of. Working for a startup, I am like literally in charge of this thing that has right. to succeed right because we have like raised money and we're just trying it out and we're just doing it <laughs> and it's like you better make it work and the startup is very much like oh cool you're here you'll do this go yeah, yeah and yeah. then you're like wait what <laughs> I'm like no I just told you I've never done toy design before remember I'm like I have a dog and that's cool but like never been to a plush factory before never have no idea how cut and sew works I'm like, yeah you'll figure, it out. You're great. you'll figure it out you're here so I think the biggest thing is like learning to adapt to a very different environment learning to work with very different people working in a very different um, workflow which was much more chaotic very fresh very new and having to find a way to influence that be a part of it mm. uh, the good and the bad because there is a lot of both um, and just really learning how to adapt to like a very fast-paced thing because startups pivot yeah, yeah. that is what they do they yeah pivot. I mean, they that's, go,
0: the, that's the whole point of startup You're like right you got all this money. You got to do something with it.
1: Yeah. And you know what you get? You get whiplash. Because all of a sudden, you're like, we're doing this. We're doing that. It's like, nope, we're doing that. And you're like, oh, I have worked so hard to go that way. And yeah. they're like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Get on board or get out. And you're like, cool. Here we go. <laughs> so it's a ride, and you have to love it. Yeah, um, A lot of perks uh, that come with it, but um, it's definitely a
0: tough gig. Yeah. So I guess maybe to bring, it, bring us up to speed, now you're at Smart Design, which yeah. it is a very reputable place. Like it's, you know, a lot of people dream of about working at Smart Design. Right. So how has that been? Now that you are the associate design director at Smart. Um, so I mean, how's that transition been? It's
1: been it's been great. It's been wild. Um, Smart was very much uh, like you said. Like, look, when you're a young designer, um, it's one of the f- the firms you learn about. Right. Um, you know, we turn 40 next year. Uh, so getting to work with a, a firm and a, a company that with that type of pedigree is amazing. Working, I came from a startup before that, which was five years old at the time. And then working for a company now that's 40 years old yeah. is amazing. Um, getting to work for people that are, you know, the the founder, uh, David uh, Stowell is still there. Um, so talking about mentors, you know, I get to now, the newest uh, addition to my list is, one of the, like, um, you know, OGs of, right. of, uh, of ID yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, these days in the modern era, and which is really exciting. Um, and getting to be a part of just, like, this, the story on, the, on a job level is just really, really exciting. So it's been a great honor to be there. Um, it's one of these places where I never thought I was good enough to work. Uh, Work at, you know, because it's just like I kind of held it up on a pedestal and I was like, ah that's like the great job. And getting to work there has just been such an honor and such a privilege. So it's been amazing. Um, And it's also been so with all that said, it's also been really tough. It's a really tough job. It's a really hard job. Um, It's a lot of a lot of work. Um, uh, but really exciting work. You know, we're working for, you, I, this is the largest consultancy ever worked for. We're a company that has two offices, New York and London. So we're working across two continents on different types of, of work. Um, we're working across different categories. Um, so Prime and Foresight and nice LTD, these are all ID specific, you know, entities. You know, whereas smart, like the frogs and the ideas of this world, they've gone into strategy and research and UI. Like we have just branched out. So the projects we work on are super multidisciplinary. The teams are super multidisciplinary. And that is a whole new experience for me that's been really rich
2: and exciting. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Um,
2: And then, but while you were there, you, I mean, there was this, this Better Bin project that came out. Right. And, I mean, I think it's really cool when, like, a firm like Smart Design gets involved in something like this because this is almost like, I feel like it's almost like a, like a Project H type thing. We were kind of comparing it to that right. in the first episode. And it's like, okay, let's redesign the New York City trash bin. Right. Well, <laughs> I kind of feel like the funny thing
0: about the trash can project is like i i remember this being posted yeah uh they new york city wanted to redesign the trash bin and i guess posted a call to call a, a call for submissions yeah yeah and i feel like no one wanted to do it because it's <laughs> a trash
1: bin see see that's interesting because i don't think i don't think it was that i mean personally maybe um Uh, I couldn't frankly think of I we were like this is the coolest thing ever yeah Um, because it's it's literally when you think about so another reason why I got into reason I got into ID and just design in general is mass Mm -hmm. I love the idea of mass like I'm I'm going to accept the fact that I am most likely not going to be a famous person and I will not, I'm not going to cut an amazing album and you know, I'm not going to be in the, <laughs> the hall of fame. There's no one's going to collect a baseball card of me. So what, what is we're, my... we're making my details, baseball cards. <laughs> okay, cool. so, so what is my impact? What's my contribution? And I think for design, that's been this great vehicle where you can actually put things out in the world. Right. Is so tangible. And when you get to walk into a store and see the thing that you created and then you get to watch people buy yeah. it or not buy it, which is actually just a really weird experience <laughs> when, when they pick up your product and go, no. <laughs> I've been there.
0: I've been in the PetSmart. I've been in the PetSmart where it's like, uh, just put that back. And they're
1: like, hold on. Well, wh- why didn't you buy that? Because this one's on sale. And you're like, it's not great. Um, but, the you know, living as a New Yorker, um, there, you want to be a part of your city and your environment, just anywhere you live. But that's a huge opportunity. That's
0: true. I mean, you're born and raised in New York. You've been here your whole life. (laughs) To to redesign the trash can just is must be like a quintessential thing. That's
1: like that's like the World Series right there. It's it's
2: literally a touch point that everybody who enters the city will use. There are
1: eight point six million people in New York City right now. Like that's crazy, and they're all going to interact with these trash cans. It's like on any given day, like something like twenty thousand plus trash cans on New York City streets as we speak, and they're all going to interact with them. It is a vital part of our existence. Living in the city is having somewhere to throw away our trash. Right. This is a tool that every person has to use. That is an amazing de- design opportunity.
0: So, so you directed this team that submitted this
2: trash can design, and whose idea was it to enter the competition? It
1: was. It was ours. It was. Uh, so James Krauss, who's like I said, now yeah. At Quip, him and I. Um, we we both joined uh, Smart around the same time, and we um yeah we we saw it and we're like we're doing it. We're absolutely doing it, and uh, it was yeah. I mean, we you know we kind of had it was this was like so. Here's a great example about building a team, right? Rallying the troops. So here's an opportunity where I'm saying, hey guys, this is an after hours project, right? This is a nights and weekends project, and I'm gonna I need I need a, a, a few good designers who are really willing to roll up their sleeves and throw themselves at this because if we win this, if we get to be chosen for this any event. It's it's iconic. It's a, iconic. Hu- it's a iconic. Huge, huge honor. Yeah, yeah. So that was very much the first part of this project, was just kind of rallying the troops, getting people excited, yeah. and having a point of view. And going back to your thing about the brief, and like, I think, I was shocked at f- when in the end, I think only like 200 submissions were actually put out there. And at the opening thing for it, when they had the meeting, there was probably 200 people just in that room alone. And it was an international competition. Wow. It was open to anyone in the world. So... The reason why I think so few did it was if you start to actually read the brief, it's not a it's a it's an RFP. It's like it's a it's it's like directly uh I read a, it.
0: It's a proposal. It's it's very restrictive. There's <laughs> a lot of parameters and things you have to follow. I mean it's it's New York City. Like you have to like they even talked about like, hey you gotta make make sure that people don't place stuff on top of the trash can. You gotta make sure that rats don't get in the bottom of the trash can. You gotta make sure it's durable. Like it, height, so many details that height, you have to cover Weight, durability, yes. rat resistance, yeah.
1: fireproof, recycling lids. It, it was like
0: it was over the top. Stackable, sure. yeah. certain
1: height. It is just a freaking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, let's do it. <laughs> um yeah, it was a labor of love. Um we are, you know, we are one of two finalists in the competition now. We're actually at the the fin we're right at the the finish line now or waiting to hear who the the winner is okay so um, they're still they're still deciding actually they're still deciding actually we have we do not know who the winner is and ultimately it was us and another team that was picked um there's two very very different approaches to it which is cool that they kind of picked him honestly i could see both of them working in new york um, mm-hmm. they kind of answered the it was kind of fun to see it um it's frustrating when you see that it's fun and frustrating because it's frustrating because you're like you think that you have the right solution. And then you see someone else do it differently, and you're like, no, yeah, that's not that. And, like, right, and you become really kind of like juvenile. Right.
2: Like yeah. tribal. Yeah.
1: Right, you're yeah. like, what is that? They that didn't answer the question right. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. And then because then the fun part is you go, wow. I did not think of it that way, Yeah, you know, and like, I never would have approached the problem that way. Right. And, uh, man. Now I'm like questioning my design.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's, I mean, it's been a really great and like humbling experience. I think overall it's been yeah. really tough and it's also been a really great experience because a true collaboration of design and engineering and uh, one of the things I was my favorite thing about working at Smart Design is we have a team of rock star mechanical engineers mm. in house. We have an a unbelievable prototyping facility. We have it's funny. Reed talks about this dude Ron all the time. We cannot shout out Ron enough. Like <laughs> does <it's> just, Ron <laughs> listen to the pod? I hope so. I'm going to title him tomorrow. You better freaking listen because no, honestly, I
2: feel like at this point we need to have him on. the Yeah, podcast. no, he's awesome.
1: And it's like it's because we have this amazing team of makers and yeah. doers and people who actually know how to to build things and a lot of that comes from our history with oxo yeah um, we've had this long-standing partnership with oxo for almost like 30 years now or something right and we do des- we do design for manufacturing and we do a lot of design work in general for different entities but having this constant work flow of actual production which is funny because i do this whole big loop of like design and trying different things and dog toys and i'm like Back to kitchen. <laughs> you can't escape it. Can't escape you can't it. Escape. But you know, I like food. it's fine. <laughs> food. You know what it is. the The funny thing is that I food is this universal language. Yeah. And I love that about designing tools for it. That's true. And when I was at Lifetime Brands, I learned how to design gadgets and how to food prep and like how to cut and dice. When I worked at Martha Stewart, I learned about presentation and celebration and making the most beautiful object to serve and cook your food in. And now at at, uh, at Smart, it's somewhere in between. It's like kind of making these incredible, beautiful objects that are both functional and practical, but also have this really great universal solution that everyone can appreciate. So it's kind of been a fun experience to get back into it in a really positive light. And OXO is just the best brand to, to work with. They're just like – we when we were at Lifetime, we were like – talking about patents yeah freaking oxo man (laughs) we're like damn it they did it again (laughs) so now i'm on the other side of the fence and i'm like it's feeling pretty good other side of the fence yeah ship it to lifetime already got a few of those patents under my belt and i'm like yep check (laughs) check check check." so it's been good um no smart's been an amazing opportunity again super super grateful and i feel very blessed to have the opportunity to work there and it's just been an amazing experience so happy that you
2: know things are good yeah all right amazing well i feel like that couldn't have been wrapped up better <laughs> I, th- I think that was yeah
0: i mean that was definitely a great summation of your your career to this point and now uh, we always like to ask some more future forward questions to our guests and i guess what i'm curious about is like what do you think the id industry is gonna be in like five to ten years like where do you see it heading wow
1: um poof Well, according to that Philippe Stark article, it's not looking good. Done. (laughs) Yeah, we're done. We're
0: going into VR, baby.
1: Yeah, it's not looking great. Um, No, I. one of the things I feel like I've witnessed over my time in the field is it's very much this pendulum, which swings between in-house, out-of-house. And, you know there's been obviously this huge movement of design thinking and design strategy that's kind of infiltrated the business world right. and it didn't exist. And all of a sudden there was like this tipping point where everyone realized that good design is good business and that's great. Great for us. It's great for the field. It's great for the world, right? Cause now everything's getting better. So how does that happen then? So you have some companies which outsources, outsource, outsource it and some companies which build it internally. And what that happens is you have these teams which maybe swell inside or then they shrink, or then you have firms that do the exact same thing. Mm. And what I've seen happen, and if you look at a lot of design firms, a lot of the middle ones have actually disappeared. A lot of like these small, like mid-sized firms, interesting, have actually gone away. And what you end up with are these really big firms. these really small firms and the really big firms are able to take on all these different complex projects because they have all these different disciplines and they have all these people and resources but then you have but the work we're doing is like corporate we're working for big companies because we're not cheap right like these are big not cheap companies then you get the small firms which are able to do the be nimble and they're hungry okay and that's where they can do the startups So that's where you look at like companies like Box, Clever, or something like out out in San Francisco, which is like I think an offshoot of like a former uh, Fuse. I'm saying Mm. this wrong, but Mm. you know it's like all these like smaller yeah design yeah, firms yeah. that right. didn't exist a like few more, years more ago. like boutique style. yeah exactly like, but again, they're taking like going on re- back to like the four or five people exactly really yeah. really cool or what's what are their names visibility the, visibility yeah. exactly yeah. you know and even prime like prime is able to take on these great freaking projects that i don't think necessarily smart could take on right. for different reasons right? right so that's one thing about the firms the other thing is in-house in-house teams are just kind of growing in different rates and now you're seeing these huge teams in really great places like garmin has this like badass oh, yeah. team yeah. of freaking designers that I didn't even know about. Right. And now I'm start- I'm like learning about them over the past a like, couple out of in years. Kansas? Are they on Yeah Kansas? Kansas City.
2: Kansas City, Missouri.
1: Yeah, in the Missouri side. Yeah. Um, like right on the border, I think. But you know, we all think of Garmin as like the road, you know, navigation unit. Wait, but, right, right. But they make switches. They make pedals they make freaking all these different like components for boats and planes and cars and and there's different divisions there and it's like this badass team at the idc conference they were cleaning up yeah like and it was just really cool it's like stuff like that i love yeah because i'm like i had no idea
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So, you know, the way the industry is going, I think it's just kind of, it's just going like anything else. It's a pendulum. And I think right now you're seeing a lot of really great in house teams happening, Mm -hmm. Um, you're seeing a lot of startups. And because of that, you're seeing, like, Bark. We have we had a really robust team of awesome industrial designers. Like I said, we had James Krauss who left. You know, he he's at Quip, and Quip was started by two industrial designers, one of them from Lifetime Brands, one of them used to work for Echo, and we used to work for uh, a Fuse Project here in New York. because Fuse Project used to have an office oh, here. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, people don't know that. and. You know, was a company started by ID, they have an ID team that's growing. So you're seeing this in-house team moment really being exciting, and that's cool. Um, the consultancies will always be around because you know what happens? The big companies, or whatever it is, they all of a sudden, they're gonna build, 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 and hire, hire, hire. And then there, there's a money problem, and then they're going to fire everybody, and then they're going to go back to the consultancy. <laughs> and it's a vicious
0: cycle. Yeah. But um, Cycle of design life, I guess, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I think, you know, where I see it going is just, it's it's like I said, it is it is this wave we're all riding. It's a pendulum swing swinging. And you I, just have to be on one side of it.
0: I do think that's an important note because, you know, I think we sometimes get caught up in the moment of like, Oh, we're in this moment of whatever design trend it is, right? But we forget, like,
1: oh, it is—it's gonna swing back. Like, it's gonna swing back.
0: It's Mm -hmm. all—it's all gonna. It's always a pendulum, right? For sure, things change and things
1: are iterative, and they kind of come back. Right. It's you know, but it's exciting. I think it's a really exciting time to be a designer, especially because of startups. Mm -hmm. Um, one, one because of startups, and also because you know, competition. And look, we see retailers closing. They're they're being that are like feeling the pressure of young and the big brands are feeling the pressure of startups where all of a sudden you have like a bark box that's like eating pet mates lunch. Yeah. You know, pet mates is freaking giant conglomerate pet conglomerate. Now you have this small, you know, co- company in New York city that's just like cleaning up. Like that's crazy. So I've worked yeah. at both. So I
0: I no comment, <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. but that's just how it goes. And, um, I think, I think it's exciting because you're seeing, opportunity be created in multiple places can now the big company is forced to innovate and they're forced to pivot and the small company is able to be nimble and try different things and experiment and push things forward
0: i guess that's i mean that's just like the basis of innovation just in general totally so maybe maybe one more question for you dan what are you excited about (laughs) in your career or just in design in general like what's the next big thing for you
1: what am i excited about um I'm excited, I think, the, I'm excited to just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Frankly, I'm excited to, to keep learning and to, I'm excited for that next project. I'm excited for that next challenge and I'm excited for that next opportunity to grow into a, f- a direction that I haven't before. Um, those are the things that keep me going and keep me happy with what, you know, what I set out to do in the first place all those years ago, just getting into ID and, you um, that's kind of what gets me up in the morning is that I'm just like, I'm happy. I love what I do. I think you guys do too. And I think everyone that's, you know, come on the show has kind of that same passion and that's why these things are really exciting. So no, I'm just happy to be doing it. So it's been great.
0: I love that. I mean, again, thank you so much, Dan, for being on the podcast. I mean, I, I think you just shared a wealth of information to our listeners. Absolutely. And of course, if you guys want to learn more about Dan Grossman, you can check him out on his website uh i need to update it <laughs> well, <laughs> uh we'll we'll link to it and everything Thank um you. dan grossman design.com and and yeah i guess we'll wrap it up i mean you can also follow your instagram right
1: i need to post more <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm topic. becoming that's painfully, painfully topic aware as, really? we, as I go through this conversation <laughs> with you guys. I'm like, oh, they're going to ask me about the Instagram again. <laughs> <I> oh, <don't> no. <know. laughs> I have like six posts. But
0: maybe <laughs> maybe this is a testament to the fact that like, hey, you know, Instagram isn't everything, right? Right. It's a, no. that's, a,
1: that's a totally another conversation. Right. right. Awesome. But, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, thanks for it's coming great. by.
0: But um, yeah, uh, as always, I'm at Nick P. Baker. I'm at Receipts. Peace Later. out. Later.